Amen. You may be seated. Wow, it's good to see you. What a great morning already um, we've had in the presence of the Lord. And I just want to encourage you, if you know any young people, Nat and Matt, bring as many student friends as you can to this conference because we used to host the Fresh Wind Conference up in Toronto. And again, it was creating opportunities for young people to encounter God and his transforming presence. So we're excited again for our Consuming Fire this year. But this morning, I'm going to continue um, the series, and we're going to be looking at the life of Esther. And um, this was Abby, our daughter, that, that made this a few years ago, and I kept hold of it because I loved her creative writing. But that verse, we're going to take this as the main verse of this morning, perhaps this is the moment for which you were created. And we're going to look at the life of Esther and how she fulfilled the purposes of God for her generation. And she was put into a place of influence and became the queen, Queen Esther, who was able to speak before the king and bring deliverance to, for the Jews to actually divert a plan of genocide by Haman, who was working for the king at that time. And Esther was a success because she stood before the king and spoke with boldness and authority. But she also was aware that God had created her for a purpose that was going to bring deliverance to her people. And she had she was raised by a cousin, Mordecai, an older cousin, who was very much behind the scenes supporting her and um, making way and coaching her so that Esther, when her time came to speak, was able to speak the word with boldness. And, um, and this week we've been celebrating um, one of the Jewish festivals of lots called Purim. And some of you may have been um, involved in that this week. Rebecca, probably you. Um, and, you know, this was a remembrance, a holiday to remember that God delivered his people from being destroyed. Um, God had a plan and God was watching over his people, the Jews. And so Esther, she was chosen to be taken into the, the king of Persia, King Xerxes, and he's got another name as well, depending where you read. But he um, took Esther to be in his harem. And you think, wow, that, that was a strange time back then when a king would have many women that he would delight in. I will say no more. And, but... Esther pleased the king because she was beautiful. She looked gorgeous. She had a beautiful figure. And God gave her those things for his glory. Not to be a sex object, but to, to be more than that. She was more than skin deep. She had character. She, she had grit and determination. But the king loved her so much that he made her the queen. And the queen prior to Esther was Queen Vashti, and she stopped obeying the king's orders. And we don't know what happened to her, but we can guess. She probably lost her life. But Esther became the queen, and she pleased the king because of her beauty 
And I believe because of her goodness and because God had placed her in a place of influence. Um, but like every story, there is a scoundrel, Haman. Boo. And Haman was an influential man in the king's life. And he, he made a, was able to get the king to make an edict that the Jewish people were going to be destroyed in all the province. And Mordecai coached Esther to become a person that would bring deliverance for the Jews. And the, this verse of Esther 4.14 we read in the NIV, it says, For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you've not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is what Mordecai said to Esther. He said, actually, there's a purpose that you don't know that is bigger and that relief will come because you were put in place as the queen. And so often, we don't realize that our little lives where we feel insignificance, maybe, maybe we are a person like Esther of beauty, and we feel like, why, God, did you create me like this? Because, you know, everybody looks at me in a certain way. But God's saying, no, I've got a purpose for you that is more than your beauty or is more than your physical appearance. You see, how many of us realize that God has a plan and he knows the times and seasons that we should be in because he knows ultimately the end of the story. And so often when we're stuck in the middle of our story, in the middle of our lives or the beginning of our lives, we don't know the ultimate outcome, but God does. He sees us as playing a crucial part in deliverance in some way or other to somebody in some place. And, you know, maybe you are in a workplace that you don't necessarily find very easy but God has placed you there for a reason, not just to provide for you and your family, but he's given you something to say, something to do at the right time and the right place. And we're going to make, we're going to look at Esther's life and pull out six points this morning that will be keys to help us in our walk um, with God in the, in the times that we live. The first point is that God has a plan for our lives that is bigger than we ever think or even see. You know, and sometimes when you're at the beginning of that plan, you don't know what it's going to look like when the years pass and the years roll by. You are not sure of your influence. And it's like God's dreams for our life ultimately become our dreams. You see, Esther was probably in fear and trembling about what she was being called to do and become in the king's household. But she believed that it was bigger than just herself. And when this plot with Haman to kill the Jews, her uncle, her cousin, whoever he was, a relative, was able to say, well, maybe there's more to it than just yourself. And in that moment, she was able to seize it and say, okay, I receive that. You see, God is looking for our yes and our surrender to his will. 
are yielding. Esther's beauty was a key and it was given to her. And she said yes to God in that. And, you know, Esther herself, even because of her beauty, was, it was not enough to save the Jewish people. She had to speak out. She had to step in out of her comfort zone several times because she could only come into the presence of the king when she was invited and when he raised his scepter. And Esther was, was told by Mordecai that if you don't step forward, then God will send some more deliverance. But yet, you are here. You've been made queen for this time. And you see, God wants us to be his plan A. He wants us to step forward so that we can be the one that's cooperating with him. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, God gives us desires in those circumstances. He gives us dreams and visions. But often, our dream is a smaller version of what God has for us. And so often, we limit ourselves because we, we you know, as we've been talking about dreams over the last few weeks, we forget that God is the one that puts the dreams in our hearts. But so often, we only see the dream in part. We don't see the fullness of the dream. But if we realize that God has got a bigger plan for our dreams and for our life, then he begins to reveal it. The second point is we are given divine moments to alter circumstances and change history. Wow, that's quite a big one, isn't it? And, you know, the best thing often is to not focus on that part. But the truth is that God partners with us and he gave Esther favor because the king would raise his scepter and say, you can speak now. And she went to the king on several occasions and in Esther um, chapter 8, verse 3 onwards, she went before him and she would say things like, if I please the king, and if I found favor in his sight, and if the thing seems right before the king, and I'm pleasing to, the, to your eyes, let an order be written to re revoke the letters of Haman, who wants to de destroy the Jews. She approached the king like a queen. From a queen to a king, she, she approached him with honor. She came in boldly, and she spoke to him in a way that if I found favor, would you do this thing for me? And ultimately, the king revokes that edict to kill the, the Jews, and Haman ends up being hanged at the end of the story. You see, the thing is, when we're put in a place to alter divine circumstances, we do it in the way of a queen would do with honor and respect and not just going in all guns blazing with the whole story, just, just coming in a little bit at a time, but significantly enough to change the course of history. You see, Colossians 1.27 says, 
Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So whenever you are in life-altering situations, you have the King of glory living within you. You have Jesus himself, the glorious one, speaking with you, speaking through you. And you can be confident that you, as the son or daughter of the King of Kings, can stand before any other king in this world and be able to speak and to speak in honor and, and respect, but speak truth. And the thing about Esther was that she had to be prepared before she went in the king. She was given the beautiful treatments, you know. Um, she went through the spas and she was given her food. I'm sure it was all very healthy and organic food. And she was given all the beauty treatments. Her hair was taken care of, her makeup, you know. And, and who are we when we stand? Do we stand before the kings in this world as representatives of the king? Or do we look as though we've just rolled out of bed, our clothes are crumpled, our hair's all over the place, um, our clothes are worn out? You see, ladies, it's okay to accept the femininity and God's gift to you in that area. Not to abuse it, but actually to take pride. And you men, too. We don't want you smelling like you've just left the gym. No. Go and put, go and have a shower, put some clean pressed clothes on and some cologne and, and stand as though you are a king or a queen with another king or a queen. Being worthy of that. We shouldn't be afraid of who we are and who we represent because if Christ is, is in us the hope of glory, shouldn't we at least make an effort with the outside? And so often, people will read you, not by what you say, but how you look and how you say it. And there's a reason for that, because I think, again, do you represent the King of Kings when you stand before those people that the Lord's put in your life? Or do you look like you still don't know who you are? Yeah. So, Esther knew what her divine moment was going to be. And she took advantage of it, and she did it with honor and respect. The third key, the third, third point is we must be courageous. We need to be bold, and we need to be courageous. And those things are given as a gift. Esther had to step up to the plate and not just do what the the king expected of her physically, but she had to be strategic and bold about coming before the king. And how many of us, you know, when we're given an opportunity to speak in our workplaces or our lives, and sometimes to say things that are very contrary politically or um, from a ethical point of view and moral point of view, sometimes we feel like we're standing on an, a knife edge saying, I don't actually agree with this or the way that we're doing things. You know, sometimes God puts us in those situations where we need the Holy Spirit to make us bold and confident and speak out. Because 
He's looking for us to have a heart that is so full of him that actually we don't, we don't mind what the consequences ultimately would be because we'd rather stand up for Jesus. I remember when I was a teenager in high school and we were reading a, a book in English language and I was asked, or literature rather, and I was asked to read a passage and I skimmed it over and I had to stand up before the class. And in the passage, I had to profane the name of Jesus as a swear word. And I, I said to my teacher, no, I, I don't want to read that. And rather than asking me why, he said, you are going to read it. And then we went backwards and forwards. And at the end of the day, I just obeyed him. But it was one of the most humiliating things because I was asked to stand and read this passage and say the name of Jesus in blasphemy. And it really violated me and my conscience. But what it did, after I got healing of the heart many years later over that, and the fear of speaking because of being humiliated, the Lord showed me where there'd been some lies that came into my heart. But what it did, it made me more determined than ever that I wasn't going to allow people to abuse their privilege of, of my life. And if things really do great, and culturally and morally there are things going on, and there are injustices in the workplace or whatever, that we, that I was able to think, I'm going to stand, stand make my voice known and, and stand forward, step forward, and actually ask for justice to be done. And I think we need to be unafraid of that, you know. Everybody can have their say these days politically. We can be politically correct. And I think it's time for us as believers to say, well, this is my choice and I would like you to honor my choice to say this and not to equate me with hate speech or anything like that, but actually this is my personal opinion. And so we must be courageous. And so Esther came into the presence of the king with courage. Can you imagine if it pleases the king and if I've found favor? What if the king was having a bad day? He could have just turned around and said, no, off with her head. That's from Alice in Wonderland, isn't it? <laughs> off with her head. <laughs> And you see, Esther, before she asked for the, the Jews to be saved, she, she went into point number four, which is fasting and prayer and waiting on God to bring the deliverance. She knew that the only way that she was going to fight this battle was in the secret place of prayer and fasting. And in chapter 4, verse 16, after that famous passage, she gave instruction that all the Jews would be gathered and they would fast and pray for three days. And she said, I and my young women will also fast. And then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. 
she decided that God way, God's way was the best way. And she knew that she needed the strategy from God to know how to bring this plight before the king. And so that's what she did. She spent three days waiting on the Lord. She developed a lifestyle of hearing from God. How much do we, when we're in situations that are challenging, how much do we take time to wait on God for his voice and for his direction in our life? Because if we don't know his heavenly direction, we'll be aimless in where we're walking. And so often, many of us are needing wisdom and knowledge in, in our family situations, our work situations. And you know who has the answer? God himself. He's all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He sees the end from the beginning. And we can tune in to that flow of direction and revelation from God by waiting on him. And he's looking for us to be wise like Queen Esther who knew that the answer came from God himself as well as the strategy on how to deliver the Jews and how to ask for that. And she had Mordecai in the background really encouraging her and mentoring her on how to behave and, and, and really encouraging her to go for it. But Esther ultimately knew that it was God who was going to be working through her and giving her strength. And so she moved forwards because she heard from the Lord. The fifth point is that obedience is our key. You can be told something by the Lord. He could download revelation. But unless we say yes to him, then we're inactive. Because what happens is when he speaks to us, he gives us faith in our hearts that allows our will to say yes. And with yes, there is action. And Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And love comes from that place of intimacy and waiting on him for him to give us the assurance. And then from that place of assurance and love that we receive from our Father and strength, we can obey his commands when he, he asks us to do things that are impossible to do alone without his strength. He's so faithful like that. He wants to step in where we lack courage and where we lack boldness, but he can only work with our yes, our surrender, as that song was talking about. Our yes to him is all that God needs. And in Acts 20, this passage, verse 24, says, I do not count my life any value, nor as precious to myself. I, if only I finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. How much do we consider our life precious? Or do we say, Jesus, this life is your life now to live. And I consider that to be the greatest prize. 
And that's what obedience is about, isn't it? That Jesus, you are my treasure, you're my reward, you're my prize, and therefore your dream for me, your will for me is mine to step into with you. And he's looking for our hearts to say yes and obey him because he just loves it. It's like a sweet aroma that comes up to Jesus as we realize that our life is hidden in Christ with God. Your life is bigger than yourself this morning. Your life is so much greater than we realize. When, we, when the Lord spoke to us to move from Toronto to come and plant this church 11 and a half years ago, all we knew was that we had a vision in our hearts. We had a dream in our hearts, a word from the Lord. But if we'd said no at any stage, we wouldn't be here this morning. And many people have come up to us over the years and said, if only you had not moved to Raleigh, we wouldn't have met each other and married and had children. And we began to... Um, Several people started saying this, and we were like, wow, we, our obedience to God is actually bigger than just ourselves. You see, there's a legacy that God actually sees. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he knows that your life and the choices that you make for him today are going to affect the future of the children tomorrow. And so we are in his plan we're in the descendants of Jesus that are rewriting the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's bigger than we realize. And we can look back over the years and begin to see. And God gives us eyes to see a little bit of longevity. And at first when we came here, people didn't know who we were and what we were about. And, you know, they thought we had some weird theological... Um, things going on. Not say any more. But you know what happens was that God was able to bring us longevity and credibility over time. You know, sometimes you can't rush that. You can't rush having a credible character reference until somebody has spent time with you and they've seen what choices you make. Do you make choices, choices to bless people? Or otherwise, do you make, do you look out for number one or are, or are you always making room for others? You see, you will get a reputation based on the choices for obedience and following God and preferring others. The final point is that God partners with us for his divine purposes. He's, you see, he sees that we're going from glory to glory. Whether we are called to do something as big as Queen Esther, or whether we are in a place where we feel we don't influence many people physically, but we can influence people through our prayers. And whether we're male or female, you see, this is a wonderful story of God using a woman who was a mighty woman because she obeyed God. 
And, you know, God chooses who he chooses, doesn't he? Whether male or female. And he's looking around for those hearts that are ready to say yes to him. He says it's, he searches the earth looking for people whose hearts are turned towards him. And he chooses us because we say yes. And there's no difference. We have different assignments, but we're all called to say yes, to bring his glory. That we would be used by God, that the, the world would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So whatever God has given you, whether it be small in your eyes at this stage. You know, a big oak tree starts off very small as an acorn in the ground, doesn't it? And it takes years and years to mature, to become a, a mighty oak tree. And this city is called the City of Oaks, full of established trees. And um, Stephen... And Jordan, their business does really well because we're in the forest. <laughs> um, but, you know, so often we feel we're like a little acorn, but God, you see, is preparing us to grow into a mighty tree. And he's calling us to be faithful in what he's given us. And what I love about this story, it was Queen Esther was the central character, but Mordecai, her cousin, was very much there with her. He had a place of influence in the king's household, and he became a, a father to Esther. He became like a father, not only in a relate, a, a, you know, being a relative, but he became a father in mentoring her to greatness. And he didn't mind that she was a woman and a queen and more famous and had more beauty and privilege than he did. He was very happy to release Esther into that role and coach her through it. And often, husbands and wives, you know, one of us, sometimes the wife has more profile and more opportunity. And, you know, the, the husband has an opportunity to bless the wife to become all that God's called her to be. And there have been times and seasons in our marriage where I've laid down my dream in order that Duncan's role would be preferred, that he, where he's had an open door of favor, I've supported him. And then other times, I've had open doors of favor and he's supported me. And I think, you know, when we're in God's family, it's like God puts fathers and mothers around us to support us and prefer us into those roles of influence. And we know there are many of you that are the Lord's stationed across this region in places of influence, and we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate that and get behind you and say, how can we help you become the woman and the man of influence that God's called you to be? And be comfortable that actually Esther's success was also Mordecai's success. Because ultimately, the Jewish people were not annihilated. They were saved by the hand of God. And deliverance came because of that. And you know, we don't realize that the choice we make in terms of marrying the right spouse 
hearing God when he says to change jobs or to move homes, to move to different places, we don't realize the end of the story in that journey, you know? And he's looking for us to partner with him and be aware that our lives are a partnership for his divine purposes. And God had a plan for Duncan and I and our family to be here for such a time as this, for God's divine purposes in this region, that people would know him, that people would come to a place of knowing his goodness and his fathering and, and his love over their lives. And that there would be a river of love right across this region because people like yourself are here gathered in his name. And so we need to understand that we're called to great things, even if it looks like we're just a little acorn in the ground. We make a choice to partner with him. And I know there are many of you that, as we've been going through these points, you've been asking God, how am I partnering with your divine plan? How am I involved in doing something that's more significant than I know right now? And I'd like us to stand now. We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit just to begin to highlight where we need to receive from him today in any of those points because God has put you in places of influence. Whether you feel you've got little or whether he's given you a lot and you feel like almost every decision you make, it's like your life de depends on it. Well, the good news today is God is all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he wants, he wants to come before you like the King of Kings extending his scepter and saying, what can I do for you? What do you want? What do you need? And the thing is that the king, when he did that to Esther, he says, I will give you anything you ask up to half of my kingdom. Can you imagine God himself saying, what do you need today in your life? Ask of me and I will give you. And instead of saying, I'll give you half of my kingdom, he says, I have given you all of my kingdom to access you yourself are like little kings before the king of kings. Your sons and daughters in the royal family. And you see, where I was born and grew up in England, the royal family was like a figurehead family. They're a figurehead family for the nation and for the commonwealth, whether you agree or like it or what. But it gives us an insight into the kingdom of God that God as the king of the kingdom has actually given us all authority through Jesus Christ to step forward so that when we're in our places of work and our places of business and with our unsafe friends and family, God asks us, he holds out the scepter and says, what would you like? What can I do for you? And I believe some of you just need to come before the Lord today and, and just repent for not believing that your life was significant in any way. Where you've believed a whole stack of lies that you're not worth it and what you're doing in life has no purpose. Because that's the biggest scam of the enemy. 
to distract us from knowing who we are and who we're called to be today, which is kings and queens before the King of Kings, princes with God, a royal standing, ones who know who we are and can stand before Him and others with open hands, but with an opportunity to ask for everything we need. And so, Father, I ask right now that you come, Holy Spirit, and show us where we've believed lies about who we are, where we've just belittled ourselves, we've not valued ourselves. Just say in your heart, I'm sorry, Lord, for believing lies that I'm insignificant and I have no purpose. And that the, the role you've given me in life is so insignificant. I repent for believing that lie this morning. And I thank you, Father, that you have made me in your image. Your creator, God, King of Kings. And because of Jesus, you've given us all power and authority. All power and authority. And we can stand before you whole in your presence, not afraid, not afraid. And I ask, Father, that you would begin to show us the value you place on us and our life. And even the value to, for our businesses and our workplaces, Lord, that you've called us to prosper in our businesses and workplaces and that you have given us all wisdom. And Father, there are some of us in this room that you've given us influence that sometimes is scary and we feel underqualified, unable to say the right things. But I thank you, Lord, that you, as we wait on you, we can hear your voice. And I believe some of you have been asking for his, his wisdom, his knowledge and his strategy this week for your workplaces and the time to speak before your bosses or the time to bring forth the knowledge that God's given you. You see, Esther not only waited for the voice of the Lord, she asked God for the strategy of how and when to speak to the king. And she didn't just give everything all at once and ask for everything. She she took her time in keeping with the pace that the king could receive the information. And so, Lord, I ask for people in this room and anyone watching online that are asking for your wisdom and your direction this week for specific meetings and situations, that you would fill us, you would fill us with your knowledge of your will and that the glory of God would not only flow in us, but it would come upon us too. And you would give us boldness in situations. You'd give us courage. And you keep our hearts open to say yes. I feel like even some of you in this room have just been times just struggling to say yes to yield and surrender. 
But I feel like as you say yes, as you say yes with faith in your heart, that God's going to show you more. It's like we need to walk through one door to see what's in the next room. And there's an opportunity for him to come and impart his strength as you say yes in obedience to his will. And there's an opportunity for anyone that just wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit with boldness. Because what happened was the disciples, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it says that they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. There's actually an impartation for boldness to come on your life today. And I feel like some of you are no longer going to see you as timid and fearful and afraid because the spirit of the boldness of the Lion of Judah is going to come upon you this morning, this afternoon. And I just want to invite you, if you want to receive that, we want to pray for you that God would just give you so much certainty this week and, and boldness in his presence and in the presence of those that he puts you with this week. And so if you want to receive that impartation of boldness, the Holy Spirit is here and he promises to give us boldness so that we can do what he's called us to do for such a time as this. And Father, I ask right now that each one would know that they are called and chosen for this generation and for other generations for such a time as this. Would you release now all of heaven, all of heaven, boldness on you, Chris, boldness and courage, courage to make the right choices despite the consequences. And I feel like the Lord's going to surprise people this week as He gives you boldness to speak and boldness to act and courage like you've never seen before. You see, when the Bible talks about us becoming a brand new person in Christ, we literally go from our quivering little nature in the flesh to become taking on the very nature. And, the, and, you know, I'm just seeing the boldness of the lion of the tribe of Judah coming on people. It's like the nature of God. That's part of his nature, not to be ferocious to people, but to be ferocious to the dominion of darkness that's trying to stop us. So right now we just release the boldness of the lion of the tribe of Judah, Father, on the, the whole body of Christ, that as we go from this place that demons will flee because of your presence in our life, that we don't have to try hard. We just wait for you, Lord, just to fill us and to, for us to step forward into your purposes. And I ask that you would sovereignly show us who you've called us to be in this season, Lord. That you would take us, Lord, and that we would begin to see the glory of heaven released in our circumstances to bring deliverance and freedom, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.